How's it going today, guys? I'm back here live once again for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is February, uh, or sorry, today is, what am I saying? February. It's March 8th, 2019. I am joined once again by Brett Baker. Brett, say what's up to the people. What's up, everybody? Uh, I haven't been around for a little while, but today we finally get to touch on some college basketball. It's been a minute. Um, and we've got a lot going on. We've got the conference tournaments. Uh, we got the big news uh, just now that Zion will be doubtful for the UNC game. Yeah, I mean, I'm, Saturday, which I expected. Yeah, but yeah, I mean that leads perfectly into our first segment, which was UNC versus mm-hmm. Duke, the big game. Uh, first thing I want to say is I was never expecting Zion to play in this game. I'm still uh, standing. No point. Yeah, I'm still standing by that he was going to sit out for the rest of the uh, regular season games. I personally would not be surprised if we don't see Zion again the rest of the college basketball season. But, I mean, I think it plays a big... Before we before we talk about the game, I mean, do you think we'll see Zion again the rest of the season? I definitely think I definitely think we will, just not because... Listen, I mean, this man came... He's been playing basketball all his life. He's a top competitor. He came there to win. And I don't think he's just going to sit out just because that first overall draft pick might disappear or whatever. I think he's actually... Uh, he even said it himself. He's ready to go. He's ready to play in terms of wanting to play in the tournament. And I think that's what every basketball player dreams of, honestly. I mean, you want to play in that – or that even if he doesn't get to play in the conference tournament, he wants to play in the big dance at least once. So I don't think we'll not see him again. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be back. Um, I'm still on the fence about it. I could – I would not be – let's put it this way. I wouldn't be shocked if we don't see Zion again the rest of this year. I'm going to lean, though, more towards the side of seeing Zion again this year. I think that he'll probably return next week for the ACC tournament. I do think Duke will get bounced early and the chemistry will be off. But at the same time, they'll probably stay on that two-seed line. I think yeah, I think they'll probably be a two-seed or so if they get bounced first. Even if they get bounced first round, worst-case scenario, a three-seed. But, I mean, they can easily rub that rust off playing against, like, an Oral mm-hmm. Roberts or somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Playing against a team like that. It's just the, the, tough, the tough situation for Duke is without Zion, they're a weak interior team. Like, mm-hmm. they can't. Get the rebounds. The rebound. The rebounding is a huge issue, and when you have players like Jack White missing twenty threes in a row, which he did hit five back to back to back to back. Yeah. After that, but it still makes it difficult to get any type of consistency. Uh, they squeezed out a one point win versus Wake Forest, which was not really a good look. Yeah, Wake and Forest is and yeah, I mean, not a special team. I mean, all respect to Pitt. Wake Forest is probably the worst team in the mm-hmm. ACC. It's them or Pitt. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just the fact they could barely even win that game at home, that's pretty pathetic. I mean, like you said, they are very weak. I mean, Marquise Bolden to me is not that great. Jack White, not that great. I mean, they do have... I, I do can't... like De- Delorier. Yeah, that's he's, what I was about to say. Delorier's played... He's an athlete. He's better, yeah. He's an athlete. It's just, uh, he the definitely... thing with him is he's kind of, he kind of reminds me of like a college version of Tristan Thompson in the sense that he is just a motor. Like he doesn't really have any of the intangibles yeah, that I most agree. people do have, or well, not most people, but a lot of players do have. It's more so like he's missing some intangibles, intangibles but he has an insane motor. Yeah, I mean, you can tell there's a reason why they redshirted him and he was such a high recruit that they had to bring in a redshirt. I mean, it's pretty obvious watching him play. But I think that Duke, I mean, I don't think they can win the national championship anymore. I mean, regardless of if Zion comes back or not, I just don't think the chemistry will be there and they'll be able to get past him. I think the Zion injury kind of ruined everything they had going on there for them. 
I mean, I'm hoping we see Zion again. Like you said, the competitor he is, everything he's worked for, you want to see him. But then again, I can also look at it from the other side of Zion's not making a dollar off this. And, you know, when he goes out and he's playing in a game where every single ticket is where the cheapest ticket to get in the house is two grand and Zion goes out there but and hurts his knee, busts through his shoe to start the game off, you know, like that's kind of like once you see that and Zion's like, damn, I'm not getting a single dollar of this. Yeah, I'm going to go to the NBA and sign my huge contract. I mean, you got to look at it from both perspectives. I mean, he went on his it de- IG it live. Definitely, it definitely makes sense. Yeah, and did you see his IG live the other day where he came on and his big announcement was him playing video games in Adidas gear? Like, you, oh. know, you know, like Zion, like, that's, like I don't know if he's, his head's there anymore. I don't know if he cares that much about college basketball anymore. So that's definitely an interesting thing to think about. But the projected line on this game is UNC minus four. They got I'm Duke at home. It. You like the Tar Heels in this one? I don't like the Tar Heels, but I like – I think it's a close game. So I, I would take that. I think it's a one-possession game. You take Duke plus four without Zion? I would take Zion. Is it four? Four is the number, right? Yeah. I would, or I would take uh, UNC. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, the spread. I would I no, UNC's minus four. They're minus four. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, UNC's four point favorite right now. That I mean, the line's not out specific, out yet, but that's what it's projected at. I mean the the Duke Blue Devils are the same thing as the New England Patriots in terms of I'm never betting against Bill Belichick. I'm never betting against Coach K. So it's hard to it's hard to like just jump in. It's like jumping in a pool for the first time when you want to bet on one of those two coaches. Yeah. And especially with Duke being at home, oh, man, that's a tough one. I'm probably, I'm probably staying away from it just because like, ooh, I don't know. I lean very strongly on UNC, UNC in this game. I don't with the showing with look, the Wake Duke Forest. Ba- thing, like I said, Duke barely beat Wake Forest. I don't think they can do it without Zion. Like you said, they don't have the interior presence. They UNC, don't. And Met, Luke I mean, May, Nasir Little, them. Cameron Johnson. It was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, I just think that the way that UNC moves the ball, the way they shoot it. I mean, on paper, they're a better team than Duke. They're one of the best offensive teams in the nation on paper. I just feel like everything UNC does, the way that they won so convincingly and Cameron Indoor without Zion, mm-hmm. obviously it's a huge momentum swing losing him. But overall, I think UNC wins this game. I think they're the better team at this point. I mean, without Zion on the floor, they're... I think they definitely have the more... They have more uh, fluent chemistry right, right now. Right now, North Carolina is my favorite to win the entire tournament. Mm-hmm. And so I think they're going to keep rolling. I think they're going to I do like... Uh, if we're talking about favorites, should we wait? Yeah, let's wait, let's wait okay. a little bit longer. So to end off this segment, basically, there's a lot that weighs into this game, though. So there's a three-way tie atop the ACC between UNC, Virginia, and Duke. So Duke has beat Virginia both times head-to-head this season. So therefore, if they let me let me pull the exact stats up. here. I will say those two, the games versus Virginia for Duke, it was kind of a weird situation because Duke was the one that was hitting their threes. Usually, that doesn't happen to the extent that they were hitting their threes against UVA yeah. and I mean it's Virginia is the three-point team and they were not hitting their shots versus Duke so it's kind of like a perfect storm even though I do feel like Duke obviously played a part in them struggling from beyond the line I feel like it's all dependent on which Virginia team you get you know what I'm well, saying? Dude, well, I, don't, I disagree with you on that. I think Virginia is low-key the most consistent team in college basketball. They're undefeated against teams not named Duke this season. Against the spread against teams not named Duke this season, they're 21-5. and five. I mean, if you think about it, a team that's been in the top five all season long, the fact that they could go 21-5 and five against the spread, I mean, usually Vegas is able to adjust to teams like that mm-hmm. and bump them down a lot. They haven't been able to adjust to Virginia. I mean, I think Virginia, honestly, has been slept on. I feel like they've been on their kind of screw-everybody tour 
before. Like, you know, that was embarrassing losing to UMCB or whoever it was, the Retrievers in the first round of the NCAA tournament. That was embarrassing. Being the one seed to go down to 16, I never thought I'd see the day to yep. happen, but it happened. But Virginia's come back. They bounced back. I think they're hungry. I think Virginia well, makes a deep run in the tournament. They really, they really impressed me with their game against Syracuse. And Syracuse is no slouch of a team. I mean, they've had, they've had some pretty decent games against good opponents throughout the season. And I don't think they're a great team, obviously. But at the same time, I mean, Virginia went 18 for 25 from the three-point line. Uh, Kyle Guy, Jerome, and uh, Hunter are just playing lights out right now. From They're great facilitators, great three-point shooters. They're everything that you would really want in a college basketball team. I mean, they, they know how to get the job done. So I do like Virginia as a top talented team and I do think that they have a chance as well as far as my favorite goes I know you're a North Carolina guy I mean Virginia's up there for me I, I think that like like I said a moment ago I do think that there are some inconsistencies in terms of three-point shooting for them mm-hmm. but they're hitting their shots in the tournament they're almost unstoppable and their defense is where it's really yeah. at. Virginia makes other teams play on there. I mean, even though they lost that game, Virginia like literally just couldn't get a hit a shot, and they also didn't have DeAndre Hunter, which hurt them it was in like that the game. Rockets. I really like game it. seven. Whoa. Oh, that's a, that's too soon. Sorry, too bro. soon. Too soon. That one hurts. But I mean, I really like Diakite, Braxton Key. I mean, there's just so many things to like about this Virginia team. I feel like that there's. I mean, Jack Salt too, and gives them good versatility yep. at the big man. Like, I feel like Virginia's got a lot of guys they can rotate in there. Obviously, like you said, they can shoot the three ball too. Jerome, Kyle, Guy. I think they have a great team, but so Those, but, Jerome, Kyle, Guy, and Hunter are all long, lanky defenders. Yeah, them. exactly. They're, but they're, so what's but so what's riding in this UNC Duke game? So Duke wins the game, and UVA loses. Duke is the number one seed in the ACC because they win head to head. So Duke mm-hmm. has three losses. UNC and Virginia both have two. Virginia and UNC played. Virginia beat them. So all Virginia has to do is win against Louisville on Saturday. They're at home. They beat Louisville by I think 15 points last time they played. That game was at Louisville. Um, all Virginia has to do though is win, and they win the ACC. UNC has to beat Duke, and Duke has to, and Virginia has to lose to Louisville in order for UNC to get them one seed. It's going to be hard for UNC, but I mean, regardless, UNC is going to come out here firing because they're going to want that number two seed in the ACC because mm-hmm. I believe they lose the tiebreaker to Duke if they were to lose this game. So I mean, it's a, it's. Yeah, it's, it's it's important. Yeah, UNC Duke tournament. is always a big game. Plus, UNC wants to get that get to that number one seed because right now they're projected. And you know to they want to sweep two. Duke. I mean, you don't get that many opportunities yeah. to straight up hit the season sweep of Duke. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah, they haven't swept Duke since 2008 in the season series. So exactly. there's a lot riding on it. Um, we'll get we'll go to if we'll talk our second topic actually after we talk this first one. I feel like it leads better into the third topic on here. So all right, now right now our projected one and two seeds are though on the one line we've got UVA. Duke, Kentucky, and Gonzaga. Obviously, I mean, if you think if Duke drops this game to Virginia, even if Zion comes back for the ACC tournament, you think that they, we see Duke lose their spot as a number one seed? Oh, um, if they lose the ACC tournament? Or, or they, if they lose to UNC, I mean, we can't project what's, I mean, do you think going to the ACC tournament, they'd be projected to be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament if they lose this game to UNC tomorrow? It'd be tough to give them that number one seed, especially being beat. North Carolina, and I, I understand that you want to say that they don't have, or like a lot of people want to say that they don't have Zion, yeah. but that, hey man, that points to some flaws in your team, obviously, you can't rebound without him, you still have two of the top five prospects in the country, actually three if you really talk about Alex O'Connell, and 
I mean, or I mean, Alex yeah. O'Connell was like a he. I wouldn't say he was a top. Well, he was. You mean Trey Jones? Trey Jones. Trey Jones is also. I think he was like a top twenty-five prospect coming out, but Alex O'Connell was like in the seventies. I wouldn't say. Or AOC was a top prospect coming out of high school. I'm saying that. They have a bunch 70s. of top prospects. That's my point. Yeah. And I mean, everybody regardless, who plays on Duke's team was in there. Yeah, uh, in, and regardless, I mean, they're, the loss of Zion is showing their flaws right now. It's kind of exposing them. And if they get beat two times by UNC within, you know, a two-week period, obviously you can't expect to go into the ACC tournament with your one seed kind of so there. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think that's even plausible for them. I think they know that's not plausible. I think that that's... Part of the reason why so much is on the line for this game. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Duke as a team, Duke, every single time they go on the floor, Zion or not, they still probably have the two best players on the floor in Cam Reddish mm-hmm. and R.J. Barrett. But the problem is both of them play on play four or like shooting guard, small forward, rather than they're lacking in the in, at the bigs, obviously. So I personally think Duke is going to be a two seed. I don't think they drop any lower than a two seed. Even if they were to get bounced first round of the ACC tournament, they'd probably just be that last two seed on the two seed line. But I think UNC is honestly a shoo-in at this point, in my opinion, to go from a two-seed to a one-seed. We also have on the two-seed line currently Michigan, Michigan State, and it's North Carolina and Tennessee. Before we get to if we think there will be any movement there, I think Virginia and Gonzaga are locks to be on the Mm -hmm. one-seed line. I mean, Gonzaga, that conference tournament, I mean, they could lose the conference tournament, but let's be honest. Do you really think? No. I mean, I don't see Gonzaga losing the conference tournament. Obviously, there's always the chance they can. I think if as long as they get to the final of their conference tournament, I just don't really see any of these teams being being able to jump Gonzaga. I mean, right now, Mount St. Mary's the next best team. They're 20-11. and 11. Gonzaga's 20-29-2. Those only losses being to Tennessee and North Carolina. They're undefeated in the conference. I think they keep rolling Gonzaga's as they Gonzaga's a great big man team, too. Mm-hmm. I love Gonzaga with the Yeah, win. Ryu, Hachimaria. Yeah, yeah they're, they're just a good team. I think Gonzaga it, easily wins that conference tournament. The other thing to kind of look at here is if Kentucky could drop off the one seed line. I actually think Kentucky could drop off the one seed line. I, I think Kentucky is, uh, I think they deserve that one seed just because they started their season getting absolutely smacked by Duke and they came back uh, I think they have the most wins against top 75 teams yeah they beat North uh, Carolina I mean so that's yeah, a they good have win the best the best record against uh, top seven or teams in this top 75 uh, so I think that they definitely deserve it if they win the their conference tournament which I don't think they'll have that many issues with the exception of Tennessee LSU I wouldn't LSU, sleep on yeah, LSU good man good point but Oh, I mean, she's going through some stuff right now. They're, they've got a lot of stuff off the court that they're dealing with as far as Wade Wilson's, you know, uh, scandal with recruitment. Look, I think LSU's going to look at things more this way. LSU's my sleeper team in the tournament. They're my sleeper team in the SEC tournament. I think they've been a, they've been a really good team all season long. I think LSU's going to look at it more as, look, we might get screwed here in the future. This Let's play for chance, here yeah. and now. Let's go out and get it done. I mean, they have a lot of they have a lot of really, really good players on that team. I agree. Naz Reed, um, Tremont Waters. I mean, there's so many good players. That's just to name a few of them. I can draw them blanks right now. But, I mean, LSU is stacked. I mean, they have two really, really good wins. I mean, they beat Kentucky and Tennessee. Kentucky, the thing, the good – the good thing about Kentucky is if they're going to lose, though, with the exception of the LSU, if they lost to LSU, if they lose mm-hmm. to somebody like Tennessee, they'll probably just swap the two seed and the one seed. You know what yeah, I'm saying? So, so it's if, not like it's a huge loss for them. Yeah. If so they I think if Kentucky, so. I think if Kentucky and Tennessee both get to like the the final four in the SEC tournament, and then neither of them end up winning it, I don't think there's any movement between one seeds right there for those two teams. 
Um, I mean, obviously, there's a, there's a lot of speculation we're kind of doing right now um, with mm-hmm. it, how everybody's going to do in the tournament. Obviously, if Zion were to come back and Duke were to win the conference tournament, and like let's say that Kentucky and Tennessee both get upset somewhere in the SEC tournament, or neither of them win, there could be a case where there's three ACC teams getting one seeds. You know, like all kinds of stuff like that could happen. But this is the I would say, I mean, the most important X factor in all of these conference tournaments is uh-huh. definitely Zion because, I mean, Duke struggles so mightily with teams yeah. that have any type of size. I mean, Syracuse has a little bit of size. They struggle with them. Florida State, a little bit of size, struggle with them. Gonzaga absolutely whipped them with Zion. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they just struggle with any type of size down low. So I, I really worry about them in the long run. Uh, I think with him, they're a completely different team, obviously, but... It's tough to it's tough to predict those one seeds this year. I think it's been a really good year in college basketball as far as you know a balanced uh, hierarchy uh-huh. of teams, and I think that it's tough to predict a lot of the a lot of years. It's pretty easy to kind of predict going into the conference tournaments. It's kind of easy to predict those who are going to be one seeds. This year, it's difficult, man. It's it's there's no like cut and direct. Yeah. One seeds, and it's tough. Yeah, it will be a lot of what Duke's matchup is. I mean, I personally think if Zion doesn't play, Duke gets... Duke, uh, actually, I Coach, agree with Coach you. Coach K, with that much time off, I think can maybe... Yeah, can it's going to be tough if they can but... get out of the quarterfinal. Like, I'll probably be taking the spread of the other team playing Duke in that quarterfinal. But in the semifinal, I don't think Duke can do it, which is going to hurt... Their, I think will hurt them a good bit. Like, it just really just depends on what kind of team they end up having to play. But, I mean, Kentucky's going to – I think Kentucky needs a strong showing in the – I mean, so the Kentucky's last game of the season right now is against Florida at home. They already whooped up on Florida once. Florida really doesn't have the size inside to match up with Kentucky. They beat them by 11 at Florida's place. I think they're probably going to be 10-point favorites tomorrow. I mean, I really think Kentucky has to go deep in the conference tournament. I mean, Michigan and Michigan State, they both play each other tomorrow. That'll decide who wins the Big Ten outright. Then on top of that, I mean, it'll kind of depend. I think in order to get to the one seed line, in order to de-seed one of these teams, it's going to take a Michigan or Michigan State or a North Carolina or a Tennessee winning at winning their conference tournament and winning out the rest of this, mm-hmm. winning their end of their regular season. I mean, if you need the regular season, North Carolina is the one exception to needing the regular season title, but these other teams are going to need a regular season title in a conference title already. And they get there. the uh, a team like Michigan or Michigan State also gets the benefit of not having to play other teams within that top 10 just simply because like, well, Duke would have to play, they have to play UNC tomorrow mm-hmm. and they have to go through the conference tournament they have a chance to play UNC again and UVA. Kentucky would have to play, you know, Tennessee. Uh, so, Gonzaga, Michigan, Michigan State definitely have the benefits in terms of, you know, being able to sneak in simply because other teams are knocking each other off. Yeah. And, I mean, Michigan, Michigan State's going to be a tough conference. I really think Purdue's the only other team that can really give them any problems out there. The rest of the teams kind of beat up on each other. I mean, there's technically a three-way tie between those teams, but I believe Michigan wins all tiebreakers if mm-hmm. they win. I'm not sure how everything's separating that conference. So, I mean, I think there can be a little bit of change, but I don't really see anybody. I mean, I think that these two, I think basically the teams that are in the one and two seeds right now will end up being your one and two seeds, yeah. barring that they really don't make it to the final four of their conference tournaments. I mean, you got to get to that semifinal in your conference tournament to lock it in. You know, you got to win at least, it's pretty much in most of these conference tournaments, you're getting a bye pretty much till the quarterfinals. So, I mean, you got to go out and win at least one game. So, I mean, crazy things can happen. It is March. I think the big game, or well, Saturday we got a lot of good games, man. I mean, we got the Duke, North Carolina, Michigan, Michigan State. I mean, there's a lot of 
things to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we'll know we'll know more after Saturday alone. We'll know more about yeah. this current situation as far as who's going to get the one seeds, who's going to get the two seeds, things of that nature. And I love it, man. I I love that I love that college basketball has gotten to the point where it's so competitive that I mean, there's 15 teams with a chance at sliding into a higher seeding just tomorrow night alone. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many opportunities for teams to slide, and uh, honestly, I'm I think this is going to be one of the better March Madnesses that we've seen in a little while. Honestly. Yeah, I think I mean, it will be getting better. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be a good one once again because there's really nobody who's heading. Like honestly, I thought last year's was pretty easy. Like I thought Villanova was so yeah. much better than everybody else. It wasn't. Yeah, I mean, close. they had the experience, the young talent. They yeah, were, honestly, I, mean, I was not huge on Villanova's wagon until I watched them play at at uh, Xavier when Xavier was ranked. Yeah. Xavier was like Villanova was like number five and Xavier was like number two. I mean, they had and the they beat them. Loaded. They beat them by twenty points, and I was like, all right, Villanova's the real deal. There, I went bet on them right there that they were going to win March Madness. It was pretty good odds, too. So I was like, you know, it's over here. But I agree with you. There's still a lot that can be decided here. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I actually... <coughs> sorry, but um, I actually, for Saturday, have two best bets, and that is on the projected line on Michigan plus five and the projected line on UNC minus four. I think both those teams cover those spreads easily and come out and cover them. I just think that Michigan-Michigan State game is going to come down to a last-second shot. Michigan was up in the second half on Michigan State, and then they went absolutely ice cold from the field and didn't hit a field goal for almost 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So I think that they can come back and get that. But let's talk our last college basketball topic here before we flip over to the NFL, and that is can Murray State get get into the big dance without winning their conference tournament? I'll go first on this one here. My answer to this one is absolutely not. Murray State, I mean, they played a decent schedule this year, but they haven't beat anybody in the top 150 in college basketball RPI. So, I mean, I just feel like it's tough for them from that perspective. Yeah, they have John Morant. Yeah, they kind of put Trey Young in last year just because people wanted to watch him play. Like, I mean, damn, I really hope that they put John. I mean, actually, sorry about that. They don't have any wins inside the top 100. They're four and one inside the inside the from 100 to 215 and 0 on two on 200 plus teams. But I just don't really. I mean, granted, they haven't really had the opportunity to play many teams in terms of how many times have they played a top 100 team? Um, they have played three top 100 okay. teams in their 0 and 3. I mean, they they had a I decent mean, they've had chances, schedule. yeah, obviously. But I mean, it's it's tough to say. Uh, Belmont's a good team in the Ohio Valley Conference and Jacksonville State. Jacksonville not. State, yes, as but, well. But I mean, they lost by six at Alabama. That's not a bad if, loss. They lost. They lost by five at Auburn. That's not a terrible loss not, either, not considering how good Auburn is. And then on top of that, they lost to to Belmont. They lost at Jacksonville State. They play Jacksonville State tonight in the. There's Ohio two more Valley legs. There's two more legs in that uh, tournament, mm. and I'm probably gonna watch both games if they advance because. This is the time where you have a team that's on the fence but has a really good player, and that good player can kind of bring them to the next level. And it's going to be, I hope, I really hope that we get that Belmont matchup because uh, I agree. I'm looking forward to, I mean, this guy's hardly been even mentioned, and I really didn't even, you hadn't heard anything about him, but Belmont's Dylan Windler has been averaging 21 and 10 all season. Uh, he's a really good player, so it'd be interesting to see two players that you know have some NBA potential from some lower conference teams. Uh, I think I think it'll be an interesting game for sure, and uh, I hope that 
I hope that Murray State can slide past Jacksonville. Yeah, I think that Murray State will beat Jacksonville State tonight. Um, I don't know if they how they'll do against to, Belmont. Yeah, against Belmont tomorrow. I, don't, I, I think they. You, I think they'll win them both. Honestly, I think if Murray State wins tonight, that they can sl- if they keep if they were to lose to Belmont by let's say five points or less, I think they slide in there as one of the. I think they can slide in there as a tournament team, but I think they abs- I think tonight is a must win for Murray State. Murray State loses tonight, they're nit bound. They win tonight, I think they're pro- and they as long as it's a close game, you know, against Belmont, mm-hmm. like as long as they play a good game, you know, and it stays close all game, I don't really think it matters what happens at that point. I think they're in, but I mean, if they win the Ohio Valley, they're probably looking at like a six seed, seven seed, six seven seed, which is what they want, as opposed to they probably be in a play in game if they don't win the conference. So the good news is, I think with. Uh, Again, if they have to play Belmont, yeah, uh, their best Belmont's best player is a big guy, you know, and Dylan Windler, he's a mm. uh, post player, and they have the Ohio Valley Conference. Well, Murray State does play Ohio the, Valley Conference Defense Player of the Year yeah. and the Player of the Year. Yeah, John Moran, so, and that's I mean, the only reason why we're talking about it is because of John, John Moran. That, I mean, we're, tr- truly, yeah. the only reason we're talking about them is because you have somebody that's going to be. 100% a top five pick. Yeah, and, and he'll be big talking. People want to talk, or yeah. people want to see him. And I want to see him in March Madness. Like, like that's, everybody wants yeah, to see like him. Yeah, like that's it's just like Steph Curry at Davidson. Like, I want to see if he can do something like that. Yeah, or the, those crazy Cinderella runs. You've seen it with yeah. oh, the whole array of mm-hmm. NBA players. I mean, you've seen it with somebody like uh, Gordon Hayward with Butler. That mm-hmm. year was insane. Um, you've seen it with Steph Curry and Davidson. Uh, I mean, you've seen it with a n- numerous players just kind of on teams that really shouldn't be there. But mm-hmm. they're there because he's willed them there. So I'm definitely I – hope, I hope that he does make it because it would be fun to watch. Yeah, no, I agree with you there completely. I mean, it's what that we need for March Madness. So I think that overall we'll probably – end up getting what the you know like what we need here with him them getting in so i mean murray state i hope y'all get it done tonight i hope y'all get it done tomorrow i want to see y'all in the tournament as a high high seed so let's hope for the best there but let's move here now to a little nfl talk it's about that time so obviously the nfl combine was this last week we need to talk a little nfl combine i haven't really gotten around to it. we got nfl free agency coming up next week on wednesday so we'll have tons of nfl stuff coming here soon first thing i want to say is um, obviously, there's the big big talk between Kyler Murray and between Dwayne Haskins of quarterbacks. There's lots of other quarterbacks, whether it's Will Greer, Drew Locke, and other ones. First thing is, what quarterback would you take in the first round of the draft, and how? And what quarterbacks would you take, or who would you take first in the draft, and how? What quarterbacks would you take in the first round? And my answer to this question is, there's a the quarterback I'm taking first is Kyler Murray. I'm not a big Dwayne Haskins guy. I mean, he was I like slow Haskins, in so. the 40-yard dash, and he's. He had good stats in college. I'm just going to say this. When was the last time a good quarterback came out of Ohio State is my first first thing statement I'm going to make here. And my second thing is, personally, I'm not big on Dwayne Haskins. I don't know. I just don't think – I think he can make it in the NFL and be an a- average quarterback. But, like, I don't think he has what it takes to go to the next level. I think my, uh, my big thing with quarterbacks coming out of college is the right setting and environment mm-hmm. they get drafted into. Uh, I think if – if Dwayne Haskins goes to you know New York. He kind of has some time to, uh, you know, kind of set his feet in the ground. Uh, there's a lot of talent on New York's team too. Unfortunately, uh, not a big yeah. They Giants actually just fan. traded for an offensive yeah. lineman. They traded mm-hmm. Vernon for an O lineman. Yeah. So and uh, I think that I think that with a team like the Giants, Dwayne Haskins is going to be probably out of out of the gates the best rookie quarterback. 
just because he has so many options right there in New York if he starts. And uh, as far as who I'm taking first, man, uh, I'm probably going to have to go with Murray. Uh, I think he's proved everything that he needs to prove to anybody. Uh, he, I'm definitely looking forward to his 40 time. Um, we'll get that later this week. Uh, it just seems like the no-brainer pick. Almost because mm-hmm. he's so talented, uh, his his measurements really helped him in terms of draft stock and or well retaining draft stock rather. Uh, kind of compared to as far as size goes, comparable to Russell Wilson, and I think he's technically I think he's more talented than Russell Wilson in terms of fresh out of college. I don't Fresh know. Fresh out of college. They Look, Kyler Murray was in the spotlight. Russell Wilson was a dog when he was in college. Yeah, he's he in was, NC he State where he nothing, and he took yeah. Wisconsin to that Rose Bowl. He did take Wisconsin a far away, but at the same time, I just think that Kyler Murray, I don't want to say more talented. I would say more, I mean, it's it's hard to say more athletic, but I mean, he's a freak, and Russell Wilson is also a freak, yes. I would say the only thing Kyler Murray is more than Russell Wilson is faster and better at running and the better ball. Better at running the ball, yeah. But I mean, I wouldn't see it. I wouldn't really compare him to Russell Wilson. I would compare Kyler Murray to more like a Josh Allen, Michael Vick type quarterback mm-hmm. with the way he runs the ball. You know, he's quick. He's elusive. I'm definitely he's that's, fast. That, in the that open was my field. that like, was my next point in terms of I wonder what type of quarterback Kyler yeah. Murray is going to be in the NFL if he's going to kind of because a lot of the quarterbacks that were in certain we're at a certain team in college football that running seemed to be the best option because you're the best player on the field. But I'm wondering if Kyler Murray is going to try to take a step back and become that Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson ran a lot in college. Well, too, I think but. he compares though to like a like a Russell Wilson, like Brett Favre, like Drew yeah. Brees kind of quarterback where he makes good decisions under pressure. And but, that's my thing against Dwayne Haskins. If you look at Dwayne Haskins in the games where he got pressured a lot, he really did not play that well in games where he was pressured a lot. Like even Washington got a lot of pressure on him and kind of shut him down later yeah, on in the game once they figured him out. I mean, Penn State, they Ohio State got on Urban Meyer and them figured out what they needed to do in the second half, but he absolutely got shut down. I mean. I don't think I mean we saw how slow his 40 time was what what was his 40 time I'm pretty sure he ran in the fives on the 40 time um Dwayne other than also on that Dwayne Haskins you know like I five see a, five, exactly that's slow I mean I see a guy who's slow in the pocket he panics when he's forced out of the pocket he isn't quick enough you know to kind of get away from defenders when it collapses I think he's gonna get eaten alive by NFL defenses I think he's a raw, lot more of a raw prospect than people think he is if the Giants were to draft him, they would have to sit him behind Eli, I think, for at least at least eight weeks. I would sit him for the whole season. I really don't think Dwayne Haskins is NFL-ready yet this season. I think Kyler Murray is way more NFL-ready. I mean, I don't think Kyler Murray—I mean, Kyler Murray, I think, has a good chance to be really good. I think he has high bust potential. Honestly, I do think that Arizona is going to end up drafting Kyler Murray and trade yeah. Josh Rosen. I hate that move though because I've always been on the, been on the Rosen I've tra- always well, I'm not on the Rosen train, but that's a waste of pick. for it's hi- a waste well, of pick. not even that. The reasoning for hiring Cliff Kingsbury is because they think that he works best with Josh Rosen. I don't think Kingsbury is bought in on Rosen. I think he needs a quarterback he's more bought in on, like Kyler Murray. You know, like your time as a coach basically depends on how your young quarterback does. And I don't think he trusts Rosen. If he trusts Murray, I like the move for them in that sense, but I don't like the fact they're kind of going against their stuff. I think they can still trade Rosen, get a lot of value in return for him. Rosen to the Patriots rumors. Yeah, I mean, everybody's rumored to get traded to the Patriots. You know, it's some. I, I, I don't know if the Patriots will do it or not. I think they still like what they got with Brady. I think they'll worry about it when they have to cross that road but I think the only reason well the reason when we started talking about this the reason I brought up the Giants when I'm talking about Dwayne Haskins is because I do feel like if if the Giants were to draft a quarterback and they yeah if 
obviously every team in the draft probably right now wants to draft Kyler Murray. Mm-hmm. That seems pretty evident. And if they slide down and they don't get Kyler Murray and they draft Wayne Haskins, here's the thing with the Giants situation right now. Eli Manning is scared to throw the ball downfield. That's why Saquon Barkley had 91 receptions out of the backfield on, you know, dump-off passes. I think that Dwayne Haskins will be able to create more opportunities for them just by taking shots and taking chances. And I don't necessarily think he will be the greatest quarterback or anything, but I definitely think that the, if there is one single fit for him that would work out, I think it is the Giants. I don't think any other team is going to be that I don't think he's ready, period. Like, I mean, if he's taking shots downfield, he's going to throw a lot of interceptions. Like I said, he's not quick in the pocket, so he's going to take a lot of hits, have to make a lot of throws under pressure, which leads to more interceptions. Yeah. I don't think the Giants should draft him. If the Giants do draft him, I think he's going to have to sit out the entire season. I wouldn't play him the entire season. I wouldn't play Eli Manning this entire season, but I'm a huge, I have a huge bias towards this. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, because you're a Cowboys. So, I mean... I don't know. I don't. I wouldn't take. I mean, are there any other quarterbacks besides Haskins or Murray you'd take in the first round? I think it's. I don't think it's worth taking a first. Or I don't think it's worth taking the pick in the first round when you're probably going to get it anyway in the second round. For my answer. Part, my answer to that is hell no. If you take no, another one of these quarterbacks in the first round, you're just wasting your draft pick. You should just give your draft pick away for free rather than take another one of these quarterbacks. Which kind of leads into our second question was who are you most impressed with and disappointed at the combine um i was already never on the drew lock train but i'm even more off the drew lock train now he i mean he did all right in the drills and stuff but i mean he has no arm strength which is huge i mean if you don't have arm strength how are you going to be able to play he's very inaccurate through 56.9 percent on pass completions in college football last year and on top of that i mean drew lock didn't play good against any of the big teams i mean if you go look at his stats for the teams he's piecing up it was teams like Memphis and I mean if you look at the score of Memphis's games Memphis wants to beat you like 70 to like see you know see what I mean like they don't want to, like Memphis is not going to play you in a close game it's going to be a high scoring shootout I mean he's throwing for big yards against teams like that I mean I I am not bought in on Drew Lock at all I think he's I, a waste of a draft pick I'm, I don't think that uh what's his face um from Duke Greer has a strong uh, arm Greer. Daniel Jones is I do like one Daniel Jones players. I do like him it's just we don't know enough about him and uh, honestly it's not worth taking him in the first round to me simply because you can get him in the second round if you really wanted. I mean, I just don't think it's worth it unless you're extremely desperate for a quarterback. I, I really don't think so. I, don't, I think uh, last year was the quarterback draft. Um, I think this year you got to you got to be careful with drafting a quarterback in the first round. I'll just say that much. Yeah, and Drew Locke on top of that, he has, here's an interesting stat for you, he has no 300-yard passing games against an SEC team last year, and the only game where he threw for over three touchdowns against an SEC, he had one three-touchdown game against the SEC last year, and that was against Florida, and that was when they beat him 38-17 at Florida in kind of a weird game where everybody was, you know what I mean, just one of those weird ones where you're just like, what the hell is going on right now, but I think Daniel Jones, like you said, I think he's a good prospect, he's got a good body, I think that... I think Daniel Jones could develop. I don't think he's ready yet right off the bat either. Another player Same thing with same thing with Buffalo's quarterback as well. Oh, Tyree, Tyree Jackson. Yeah, yeah, he actually really impressed me in he, the He did impress me. Yeah. And it, but it's the same situation. It's kinda like we don't know exactly what's there. And there's no point in waste or not I, I wanna say wasting, risking a first round pick. Yeah. When you could go with someone a little bit more, you know, solidified, more clear cut. 
And I don't think there's any real point of, you know, taking that risk when you should probably just wait it out. If I was the Giants, I would rather get Tyree Jackson in the Later third on, round. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. rather than waste exactly. my first round and then pick. You can I've, you get your offensive lineman, get, your get offensive Jackson, yeah. sit mm-hmm. in. I mean, exactly. at worst case scenario, you ride it out with Eli Manning and Jackson, have another terrible season. You have your offensive Let's line get piece. Off the Giants, man. And then next year you go out and get I don't your like to talk the about the Giants getting better, personally. I hate them. <laughs> if I had. I, don't hey, I hate talking about the Saints getting better too, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. But I mean, I think that's the better play for them. Another player that very unimpressive to Easton. me in the what? Easton Stick. <laughs> another North Dakota State. Yeah, another player that was unimpressive to me was Dexter Lawrence. Then he hurt himself. I mean, he had a terrible last season. He got suspended for the playoff games. I mean, I think Dexter Lawrence is dropped. I think he's dropped way out of. The- I think he's like probably going to go in the third round now. I mean, he did terrible. The con, you know, like everything's going not in his favor. Um, another guy too, also who had a very unimpressive draft combine was um, what's his name, uh, Jaki Polite for mm-hmm. the edge rusher from Florida. He was terrible in all the drills. He was only 242 pounds, and he was horrible in the interviews. He's probably dropped out of the first round, too. So, I mean, those guys were definitely my biggest disappointments. Who else disappointed you? A uh, big disappointment as a Georgia guy, uh, Elijah Holyfield. I knew his 40 time was going to be not impressive, but I didn't realize it was going to be, you know, like, bench player in high school football unimpressive I mean it was not good I mean a, a six seven or I mean a four seven at a as a running back that is his size in terms of like I mean you just can't do that it has to that has to be something that's going to be brought up a lot in draft talks I think it slid in probably one or two rounds at minimum uh, I don't I don't think it's a good look I don't think I think he can definitely recover from it for sure but it's a huge disappointment for sure. And, I mean, I'm definitely worried about where he's going to get think He's been out in Buckhead drinking a little too much. I might have ran into him a I few mean, times yeah, out there. He, he might have been, honestly. He probably did. And I, I, it's it's tough, though, because it's like he officially ran a 4.76. Not good. I mean, it's just it's it's tough. It was the second slowest among running backs. Granted, he hasn't ever been the type to use his speed as like a huge huge advantage. So like, obviously he can get past it, but it's pretty unacceptable, especially when you have so much time to prep. You know, for this combine, uh, it's it's not a good look for sure. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, definitely did not work out well for him. Anybody else you got on your list of players who disappointed you? Another SEC running back was uh, that disappointed me was Kentucky's running back. He had a really good season, Benny Snell. Didn't really impress. There were really mediocre numbers. It wasn't kind of. It was better than Holyfield in terms of overall, but it was just it was just unimpressive numbers. It was like he didn't really get that high on the bench press. Uh, he didn't have a high forty time. It was just kind of mediocrity. Yeah, but I would say one thing about Snell, even though he didn't do yeah. well at the combine, we saw what he could do on the field week in and week out against SEC defenses. I mean, he was the whole offense. They were setting up to shut him down, and he still ran the ball all over these SEC. I think I might have said SEC offenses, but he all ran all over these SEC defenses. That's the best defenses you can go up against. I mean, if you look at all the defensive linemen, in most part they go in drafts. They're either from Michigan or they played in the SEC or Washington. So I mean, he's going up against the best of the best, and he's tearing them up week in and week out. I've never thought Snell would be a great like catching the ball kind of running back, but I think that's what hurts him more so in the draft. But I mean, dude, he can play. I don't. I don't give a damn what he did. I, I agree with you. I, I think it's the same thing with Elijah Holyfield. They both can play when it, it 
when the time comes, they can play on the field. Yeah, you but can't clock just, game speed. That's the classic. It, it, yeah, yeah. It's just it's tough to see like you know a running back that you would want to draft high or take a risk on, and he's running like a. Four seven. Yeah, I think more so five. too. Holyfield probably moved from being a second day guy to a third day. Yeah, guy. he's Which, probably I mean, going to go sixth seventh round now. Rather, if anything, it's just going to be a longer process for him to find playing time. Yeah, and I mean sixth seventh just, uh, round running backs can still yeah. make it in the NFL. Oh yeah, for sure. Running, I mean, there's all they're all throughout the league. I mean, all throughout the league. It's mm-hmm. it, at one point you could kind of name them. At this point, I mean, what do you think CJ Anderson runs in the forty yard dash? I, I you know what. We're gonna look this up. I'm curious. It's probably outdated and everything, but hey, you I'm, better put in the music this time since you're the one looking it up and holding us up, <laughs> dude. I'm sorry, but I, I, dude, that's a great question. A four six, damn, four six. I bet he was about forty pounds. Yeah, but lighter. I was about to say I was listening to him on the herd the other day, and he was talking about his off season regimen. Pretty One much, pounds lighter. He, pretty much what he does. He's like, man, I, he's like, he's like, just like all Americans, I eat hamburgers, pizza, French fries, ice cream. He's like, I just let my body rest right before camp. He's like, then I get back in the weight room, which should mean it works for him. He's still run the ball you know you can't can't clock game speed trust so. me i know how he can run the ball yeah he just falls forward i mean dallas cowboys cannot stop him with the three i mean oh i don't even want to talk about it yeah but all right so let's move here now to players more so that impressed us impressed. the player i am the most most impressed with i actually am going to go against you because i know there's somebody who we were talking about earlier that you're going to say you're really impressed with at the combine i'm very impressed with um with a uh, Devin White linebacker from LSU, him and Devin Bush, both For the sure. guy from Michigan. But Devin White, I think he's the next Deion Jones. He ran a blazing four four two forty. Dare I say, the next Jalen Smith? What up, dog? No, Jalen Smith's from uh, he's from uh, Notre, Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, Devin White went to LSU. So oh, he's, you're just doing per- LSU yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a perfect LSU comparison. Both played middle okay. linebacker there. But no, I mean he weighed he weighed in at two thirty seven, ran a four four two. He's six one. I mean I think he should be a top ten pick in the draft. If I needed a linebacker, that's who I'm taking with my pick. I mean that's the next like that's a franchise linebacker right there. That's Luke Keekley, Deion Jones. Sure we can go Jalen Smith. That's Sean Lee. That's the next like gr- like he's gonna make plays all over the field and he did it. I mean LSU there was like against that UGA game he was everywhere. Yeah, Vanderash he was in the holes plugging him up. And that's honestly that's the uh, that's the NFL standard nowadays. Uh, You've got players coming out like like Van Der Esch, like Roquan Smith, uh, players that are just all they're rubber bands, man. They're just all over the field. They're snapping people up. Like I mean, it's it's crazy. It's one of my favorite things in or in uh, pro style football is watching mm-hmm. those middle linebackers make such an impact on a game because they're they're covering the whole field, man. And it's it's really crazy to see. So I I, I really like when we get some good better linebackers into this league because I mean I think it's probably I think that might be my favorite position to watch on the defensive side. Oh yeah, it's for that sure. and that and like the an elite pass rusher. Yeah, 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 that was the most that was I the mean, most fun to watch takeover. But the the cool thing about middle linebackers is with the edge rushers you only get to see them work truly like I mean every down obviously but you don't get to see them make plays but maybe what a handful of times a game. But with these middle linebackers now, I mean they're all over the place, flying yeah. to the ball. They're and stopping. It's, it's they're awesome. stopping running backs, getting sacks. And next I mean, that, thing you know, they're they're getting interceptions, keeping tight ends from making pass receptions, tackling wide receivers. I, I, I was thinking God every. Downs. I was thinking God every single day that I got to watch the Cowboys middle linebackers dominate like they did this season, and it was awesome. Like the Saints game, crazy. Jalen yeah. Smith definitely should have got a flag for that, but whatever, doesn't hey, matter. Yeah. But anywho, back to this. 
players that definitely impressed. Obviously, we have to talk about DK Metcalf just because he's a, I mean, he's a walking freak. I don't know how much this is going to translate in terms of NFL success because let's face it, pass savvy offense and Ole Miss didn't really do that great. Uh, he didn't have that great of stats in college. Uh, definitely feel like he is probably gr- obviously grown and become a much better athlete since his time in college. But um, I'm definitely interested to see how his com- his free combine translates into the NFL in terms of just playing. So, I mean, he obviously everything that he did in his combine from running a 4-3-3 to having a 40 and a half inch vertical and 11 foot two inch broad jump. Those are all great and dandy, but I would love to see how they translate once he gets to the league in terms of actually producing. So I, I, I don't know, man. I'm on the fence about DK Metcalf for sure, but I definitely feel like he's worth... I don't even want to... I think he's worth the first round talent just simply because his combine alone, but first to second round talent. But at the same time, I think a lot of people are going to reach on him just because of that combine, and it might come back to bite him. And, you know, that's like a classic Raiders pick. It's like, yeah. oh, this guy. Dude, this guy's an athletic That is the freak. most classic That's the Raiders pick. pick. I, I mean, love that pick, actually, for the Raiders. I could see him doing it with one of these first-round picks. Raiders, I mean, you could see... I 100% could see the Raiders picking him. Yeah, I'm actually, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I'm as much as I don't want to lean on the on this side for DK Metcalf, I lean on this side for him. I lean on the John Ross, um, Darius Hayward Bay, uh, Cordell Patterson kind of guy. You mean like if you look at his stats, he only had 26 catches last year. That's the third best, actually fourth most receptions on the team for 569 yards. That is not that great. I mean, if you look at DK Metcalf, yeah, he looks like an action figure. You look like you find him in the toy section at Target, but. At the same time with DK Metcalf, like, I mean, the stats aren't really there. He kind of, uh, he's come out. I mean, he can, That's these all the measurables. I mean, I think he needs to be in the, like, you absolutely have to be in the, the right, right system or else he yeah. can't be used. But I don't know. I feel like he's being a little overvalued here. I, mean, I yeah. definitely feel like that. But, I mean, it's it's hard, though, because I do understand, like, when a player comes to a combine, he outplay, or he outshines everybody. You want to be like, oh, well, that's a first-round guy. But mm-hmm. you all he did in doing that is kind of or shields you from his college stats, which he are put not himself impressive. in the best position he to did. get paid he and succeed. Like yeah, he's he, in his best position for him, but for a team perspective, I am not touching DK Metcalf in the first round of the draft. Maybe in the second round, but I don't think he'd be there on where I'd value him. I'd probably value him in mid-second round, but I don't think he'll be there. I like AK Brown, AJ Brown a lot better than him. I like Paris um, Campbell from Ohio State too. Yeah, Paris Went Campbell had a really fast. good combine too. Yeah, but well, I, he ran a four-three-one. Uh, I mean, he's six foot two hundred five. He doesn't necessarily have crazy size, but I mean, that's a, that six foot two hundred and five pounds is enough to produce without any type of size issues in the NFL. I think he's fine on size. I think he's obviously got the knack for playmaking. Uh, made tons of plays for Ohio State, and I think he's kind of like one of those dynamic players that you can kind of work into your offense in different ways, like end arounds, yeah, bubble screens, which is stuff very, like that. Like which we've is, seen it in the Rams offense, I mean, how honestly, effective it can be. Coming, with the NFL today, I mean, that's key to get a player like that. I mean, yeah. I think it started with like players like Percy Harvin, Tavon Austin, and it's just kind of developed into somebody like Tyreek Hill and yeah. players like that. And I think it's key for the NFL to kind of, for teams in the NFL to keep those players around and especially draft players of that, that type of talent mm-hmm. onto their team just because 
it adds a different layer to your offense. So I think that he's a good pick, especially since you won't have to risk, you know, your top 15 pick like yeah. you would with DK Metcalf just because he had a crazy combo. Yeah, kind of like the yeah. same thing with Michael Thomas mm-hmm. got in the second round. Ohio State wide yeah. receiver, perfect. Yep. But yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you there completely. I mean, I think this draft as a whole is stacked more so on the defensive line, edge rusher side with the defense. I think it's more defensive players, but especially D-line, edge rusher heavy. I don't really like the offensive weapons as much, but we can, we'll definitely discuss draft here another day. We got to keep it moving. Last topic here for the day before we get out of here is um, do you see any player real quick pulling a Le'Veon that's getting franchise tag this year? Mm. Um, man, unfortunately, I'm probably gonna have to go with the old Dallas Cowboys situation. Is speaking of which, yeah, that's why I put that on there. I knew you were gonna want to talk about it. Yeah. So, um, Demarcus Lawrence did not accept his uh, franchise tag. Uh, essentially, he wants that long term deal, which I can't blame him. He's probably been he's been one of the best defensive ends, you know, for the last. Three years. Easily. He's been playing phenomenal football. And he's been playing phenomenal football with a bunch of distractions on the side. He deserves to get paid because, let's face it, our other defensive ends, Randy Gregory and David Irving, David Irving this weekend, yesterday actually, retired from the NFL because he wanted to smoke weed. Uh, he did it on an Instagram Live smoking a blunt. He didn't want him ruining 420 for and him. Yeah, I mean, it, it, whatever, dude. That's cool. Go do your thing. But at the same time, this actually plays into DeMarcus Lawrence's advantage because in the same offseason that David Irving has retired on Instagram Live while smoking, Randy Gregory also was suspended indefinitely. There's been so many players, uh, you know, Greg Hardy for the Cowboys a couple years ago. There's been so many players that have been, you know, breaching their contract, violating it. And uh, I think that you know, with somebody like Demarcus Lawrence, who obviously probably hung hang out hung out with those dudes every single day, didn't fall under the pressure of doing something like that, something stupid. He's, you know, been all about football. He's been all about production. He is a great leader. He talks the talk and walks the walk. Uh, you saw it with the Saints game. I think that you definitely need to pay him. I think that there's a lot of mouths to feed in Dallas right now. You have within the next Dak couple of years, you got Dak, Mari, Zeke. I mean. Sean Lee will probably go out, but then you have to pay Jalen Smith. I was surprised Sean Lee didn't get cut. And uh, well, he's under contract for one more year, so it's kind of like, yeah, there's no point. It's kind of like the way I got that or that feeling. It's kind of like just doing him an honor. Of, yeah, you know, kind of being able to coach Van Der Esch up a little bit, and you're not saving that much money in True. reality. But I mean, I feel like that. So I think that Lawrence will probably miss three or four games, then he'll come back mm-hmm. for Dallas just because I think he's a competitor and he's going to want to be on the field like we've seen happen with other players in the past, like Cam Chancellor and stuff. But I don't know. I think Dallas is going to have a tough time paying all these guys, like you're saying. they got a lot of guys to them. I think Dak might be the odd man the, out getting I think paid. The, I think the biggest uh, – one of the biggest players that needs to – or one of the most important players to me that needs to be paid that is going to be – is going to have to get paid – is Byron Jones. We've never had a shutdown cornerback like this. Uh, well, n- not never, but we haven't in a long time. And he played great last year in his first year at cornerback. Mm-hmm. And he's only going to get better at cornerback. And the better you get, the more you get paid. And, I mean, you got Demarcus Lawrence, Dak Prescott, Zeke, Amari, Jalen Smith, and... You got Byron Jones, so it's tough. So uh, do you, th- do you when, think Lawrence is going to pull the uh, Le'Veon here? I think that 
I don't think Lawrence is the same type of player as Le'Veon, just mm-hmm. simply because he hasn't been dealing with it as long. Uh, he has been, well, I mean, he has been, he was franchise tagged last year. They try to franchise tag him again. I think that he, I think that they'll get to a deal eventually this offseason, but I think that somebody within that six players that I named, somebody is getting the short end of the stick on this, and it sucks because that is the core that you would want to keep, but you also got to keep your offensive line together. I mean, it's, it's, a tough situation in Dallas. Uh, they almost have like an overload of young talent, which doesn't seem like a problem until it's a problem. Uh, so hopefully they get that deal done. They definitely have to draft defensive end with all these defensive ends messing up. And it is tough because you never know when you might draft a player that you know, makes up the difference of DeMarcus Lawrence. Yeah. But you got to keep him for at least a couple more years. Um, I mean, try to work out a deal where it's a two-year deal maybe, yeah. something like that. But obviously he wants a long-term yeah, I mean, situation. you still get paid good on the franchise tag. I pers- Twenty-one million. Yeah, I personally don't Nothing think we'll see. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't think we'll see anybody really pull the levy on. I mean, the Falcons gave their franchise tag to Grady Jarrett, which I thought was a good move to keep him around. If mm-hmm. we can't get a deal right off the bat, you can't let a guy like Grady Jarrett walk. I mean, he's probably the best player on our defense. There's a lot of players throughout the last couple weeks that got franchise or the last couple days. I mean, got franchise tags. So overall, I don't really think we will. But you got anything else to say before we get? Well, out yeah, here? away from the franchise tag, we had. The two interesting stories in the NFL, with one being the David Irving situation that we already talked about, which brings up a whole topic of issues as far as like sm- players that smoke go. I mean, that's a tough, tough subject to talk about. Uh, well, it's just an interesting subject really to talk about. And we also had the Antonio Brown situation in which he got traded to the Bills. Yeah, I mean, said it was fake news. Um, yeah, I don't think Antonio Brown's gonna get traded today. I don't think. I don't think. I think he probably has to play with the Steelers at the end of the day. Uh, I don't think that he's gonna play with the Steelers. They said they moved on, but I mean today they were. Let's see if I got any notifications. I don't, I don't know why. I mean the Bills are not a bad no, team. The Steelers I, I, traded Marcus Gilbert though to the Cardinals, but I have something to say to Twitter actually. But there's nothing here on here about Antonio Brown getting moved. So I mean Antonio Brown at the end of the day though will not be a Steeler. Yeah, I, I agree, but it's it's a tough situation for them for sure. Uh, getting rid of him with so much talent, uh, you obviously want something back in return. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Anthony Davis situation of the NFL. It's weird, but um, yeah, I have I do have something to say to Twitter for sure. Uh, Twitter with all this nonsense about Josh Allen being a bad quarterback. When as soon as Antonio Brown, they immediately started hating on Josh Allen. Josh Allen was good. Josh Allen's a beast. Year. He's a beast, and honestly. You turn around and you're guarding Antonio Brown. I don't know why he didn't want to go to the Bills. Because if he's downfield, that's what I was saying last night. You draft DK Metcalf or Paris Campbell. You got two players that are running downfield. You're going to turn around and Josh Allen's going to be 20 yards down the field because he's got wheels, man. Yeah, and plus, Antonio, Josh Allen keep the play alive like Antonio Brown likes with Big Ben. Big Ben keeps the play alive for Antonio he's Brown. Like, Josh Allen do the exact same thing. And he's not, I mean, stupefied by concussions, man. I hate to say it like that, but. <laughs> Big Ben is a shell of of his former self. I mean, he's old. He needs to just get out of there. That would fix the Steelers' problems, honestly. Le'Veon, and, they'd still have Le'Veon and Antonio Brown if they just were willing to uh, part ways with Big Ben. I understand that he's brought you a lot, but I don't know, man. It's a weird situation for the Steelers. I don't think anybody does the Le'Veon Bell with a franchise tag. That was a very unique situation. Um, and to be honest, I think Le'Veon Bell probably would have played the last four games last year if... Des Bryant didn't get hurt like that with, you know, resting the whole season. Yeah. I, I think that that kind of scared him away from playing. 
especially when he all he wants is the money. So uh, that's that's that on that franchise talk. Um, we've got a big day Saturday. I hope all of the listeners are going to be tuning in for some great games. Most importantly, the Duke UNC game and the Michigan Michigan State game. There's also some good games scattered throughout Saturday, but lots. Of good we NBA are action. here. We are on the doorstep of March Madness. One of the best times of the year, if not the best time of the year. Yeah. It's going to be a downhill sprint for college basketball now. Uh, this is when all the emotions for college basketball comes out, so I'm really looking forward to it. This is when you see, truly, this is when you see what this means for a lot of those players. So I, I'm, it's probably my favorite like college event, even past the play or the college football playoffs, because usually. Those are really only interesting if your team is there. Yeah. And uh, I think it's college basketball is you see everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely looking forward to March Madness. Yeah, no. It's going to be a good one, too. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm excited for everything that's coming up here. Got lots of good stuff still coming up for y'all. I appreciate everyone tuning in. But, Brett, appreciate you coming on once again. Hit that hour mark. And I appreciate your invite. We'll get back to it on Tuesday. So peace, guys. See y'all.